Hi, I'm Jeremy Dale. I'm Ronnie West. We are mental health professionals who are convinced that the goal of parenting is to produce competent and virtuous adults. Welcome to the Good Parents, Good Children podcast. Okay, I'm Ronnie West. This is Good Parents, Good Children. Parent like your kid's life depends on it. I want to ask a question that sounds like a straw man or like it could be question begging if it weren't that this is what people are saying. And this is, shouldn't experts make make decisions for children? Like, okay, there's these really well-intentioned, highly studied people that have looked into what children need. And so shouldn't we let them make decisions about children's rights? And, And likewise, you know, shouldn't educational uh, experts decide about children's education? And you can kind of apply it from there to healthcare and mental health and safety and and kind of all sorts of areas of life. Even when I say it, it feels sticky and like I'm worried that I'm strawmanning it. No, 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 I don't think you are because I think there's there is a strong wrong-headed argument for why experts should make the decision. Okay. It's wrong, but it sounds strong. Um, it's a, it's rhetorically strong, but I think rationally weak. And the reason is because the person who should make the decision about a thing is the person who's responsible for it. Oh, well, pretty that's, much that's reverse because the, the that's what the should happen. Counter um, argument. The one from these groups is the person who should make a decision about it is the person who knows the most about it. Well, then, but then what I'm saying is they don't have the skin in the game. And so I'm going to, I'm going to use, so I would use some examples, uh-huh. right? You take the president of the United States, the president has a great amount of authority. You could take a CEO, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody who has more authority than any one person could have knowledge, right? Take mm-hmm. King Arthur, if you want to take fiction, okay? Right? There's King Arthur and there's Merlin. Merlin doesn't have direct authority. He doesn't get to make all the decisions. Also, mm-hmm. if Merlin gives bad advice and Arthur takes Merlin's bad advice, whose fault is it? It's not Merlin. It's <laughs> Arthur. Why? Because it's Arthur's job to make the decision. Making the decision makes it your responsibility. So, for example, like let's say healthcare decisions. Okay. Right? A doctor says, I think your child has this problem and this is the solution whatever it is, surgery or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Who has to pay for the surgery? Not the doctor. They're Hmm. selling a surgery to you. They don't have to pay it. Okay. Who has to live with the child forever if the surgery is botched? Who has to live with the problems if the surgery is botched? The child and the parent who's responsible for the child, not Hmm. the healthcare worker. What if that expert is wrong this time? Like maybe they're great. Maybe they're right a lot of the time. What if they're wrong this time? Well, what if you go get it? What if you go get a second opinion? You know, um, uh, you know, opinions are a, a widespread thing. Everybody's okay. got everybody's one. got one, and a lot of them stink, even from experts. Okay, so um, this idea that experts should be the one that set the policy or make the decisions. No, I get why that's attractive and appealing, but it's also authoritarian. It's a great way to sneak in taking power away from the people who are actually responsible for things. It takes away individual freedom and authority over themselves and autonomy, because then you say, well, the expert can tell you what to do. 
Right. No, the expert doesn't get to tell you what to do. I tell me what to do when I'm an adult. And when I'm a child, my parent who actually has to live with me and is responsible for me, they get to say what happens. Educationally, yeah. the parent should be the one who's response, who's in charge because they have the responsibility for how the kid turns out. Not that teacher who's the expert, they're with them a year. Well, no, a they're, they're year, actually not for 20, not for 40, not for 60. And that teacher isn't the one who has to be taken care of by the kid, maybe. 40 years from now. Well, there is a certain parent. There's a grounding on who counts as an expert. And if we're talking about expert groups, right, then it tends to be uh, there's an authority that declares this is an expert group. Sure. Listen to them. They're scientists or researchers or studiers or or whatever. Uh, But we're talking about parenting, like who counts as an expert would actually be the person who knows the child best, which right, is in that. fact the parent. Now it's because it, even if somebody is an expert on the question, uh-huh. they're not an expert on the child or what the family yeah. can afford in risk, in oh. money, in time. Like there's resources involved. It's not, it's not, it's kind of like saying safety first. Well, do you want safety experts to make all your decisions for you? Because like there's other factors. Yeah. Safety, safety is not first. We talked about that in our last video. Safety is not first. It's just not. But we don't want safety experts telling us what to do with our lives because people have different tolerances for, for risk. Yeah. Well, and, and it's about winning the argument on, on two grounds. The weaker argument, the parent is the greater expert, wins. Yeah. And the greater argument the parent has ultimate responsibility also wins. So to, to try to take a real steel man argument of experts should make decisions about children's rights still falls apart when we, yeah. when we shift the focus to who's responsible. Okay. I, I have a question for you. And if you don't have a perfect answer for this, that's fine. Cause we hadn't, we haven't talked about this before. I don't think. Um, but why do you think, I think that argument's very attractive. I think a lot okay. of people find it appealing. Do you have any thoughts on why that argument experts should be making the decisions for yeah. us and whatever? Do you have any thoughts on why that's so appealing? Not necessarily just with this, but just mm-hmm. in general. Why, why, why do people like that line of thought? Yeah, I, I think there's a pretty interesting shift that's happened over the past 70 years or so. As we went from more individual individualistic uh, living to a technological revolution where the rate of knowledge has increased so fast that it's no longer possible to consume knowledge at the rate it's produced. And yeah, because of that, it's it's no longer possible to be uh, very well studied at the highest level in multiple disciplines. And, and so effectively, it just becomes easier to look at a group that says, well, you know, I'm, I've studied and I'm, I'm expert in this area and I know what to do. So there's, so there's a, uh, it's, so then in a sense, you're alluding to a supply and demand issue. The, <laughs> uh, the, the supply of knowledge has increased and the demand for knowledge, right. uh, expert opinion um, has increased. And although our access to expert opinion and knowledge has increased, our need has increased 
way more too. So that would create like, we're more comfortable getting expert opinions, Uh but we also, even people who don't like doing it, they want to be self-dependent. Yeah. Like you get, I think you get a lot more guys our age who are kind of like, we're not that handy. And some people could say, Mm -hmm. well, our generation is just, you know, lazy or they're not whatever. But part of that is we may just have more things we're supposed to know Mm -hmm. about in a way. Like Cars are more complicated now than they were 50 years ago. So is the electrical system in the house and the plumbing. And so it's, you know, a hundred years ago, you could be able to take care of more things in your life because the the technologies in your life are simpler. Everything in life in some ways is simpler. Now, I do think something else has, has, has happened as we're talking about the increased uh, supply of knowledge, distribution of expertise, demand for it. We, we've then seen our, our governing class need some of that expertise as well. And, and really what it's done is deferred a lot of its responsibilities to three-letter agencies. So, I mean, in particular, mm, for yeah. instance, uh, the EPA, uh, the DEA, um, the uh, Department of Edu- Education, our, our legislative bodies have defaulted some of their decisional power uh, to these groups. And then that model gets, gets pushed down. Which I mean, illustrates the thing I was saying before about the person who is responsible should be the one who makes the decision. Yes. But then we're seeing, it sounds like what you're alluding to is we're seeing politicians, the ones responsible, mm-hmm. giving over the authority to the expert, right. but then the expert is an unelected bureaucrat well, yes, that's right. And so it's they're doing the opposite of what I'm saying. What I'm saying mm-hmm. should happen. the The person who was elected is the is the they may not be the authority in the sense that they're an expert, but they yeah. have the authority to make the decision. And we're the ones who voted them in to make the decision, and they're deferring it so that they can avoid the fallout if people don't like it. So I think for maybe. one reason. So I think one thing that happened in COVID that's that's important for this discussion. Uh, is we had uh, what appeared to be a crisis. There was knowledge coming in that was going to the highest level saying, this is a crisis, get ready. And then we had people who were exceedingly knowledgeable about the disease. Yeah. Uh, Then say, here's the public policy that you must follow. All right, that happened. And then we had our essentially executive class push the policy down, which had to do with distancing and stay at home and, and masking orders. And, and the problem really becomes, are the, are the people making the decisions, the ones ultimately responsible, right? And so if we look at, at our government pressing that down, it's really about a press down of, of safety and a differential when it comes to individual rights. And the last thing that, that we want is someone to say, these are what children's rights are press them to your kids. We want the individual flexibility and responsibility to ensure that we're putting out good kids in in the family unit, not from the top down. Right. Right. Um, I think to answer my own question (laughs) that there's this, there's the old statement of um, don't, I forget exactly how the quote works, but it's, you know, you can prefer freedom or you can prefer security. Oh, mm -hmm. right. Um, so uh, if you per if you prefer security, you will lose freedom. 
Um, but if you prefer freedom, you may not get quite as much uh, security. Is security the word I'm looking for? Sometimes people say safety. Safety. I've heard it before. Yeah. So, um, and I think it's sort of a similar kind of a deal. If you want the freedom to raise your kids as you see fit, well, then you have authority and responsibility. If you mm-hmm. want to defer some of that to experts, then you, I think, I think that's part of why you start talking about children's rights is it creates a way to defer responsibility. Um, and People do like to defer responsibility. They would rather, um, you know, if you want to have your cake and eat it too, then you're going to want to think, well, I have the authority over my child, but I want to defer some of the responsibility over to the public school system or to my parents or to the village or the government or whomever. And it's like, that's, that may be appealing, but it's unwise and it's untrue. You're responsible for your kids. Period. So you've you've um, created a, a bit of a list for us. You've you've gone to childrensrights.org and, and also UNICEF and kind of assembled what their basic message is. And, and childrensrights.org, for instance, is going to say, here are children's rights. Parents, you ought to, you must to ensure those things. Yeah. And you've gone back and rewritten them in terms of what the parental responsibility is. Right. So I kind of attacked this a couple of ways. So okay. with the childrensrights.org, um, they're an organization about children's rights, you know, obviously. Um, and they've got a long list of entitlements for kids. And so I just sort of listed out kind of the themes because I wanted to see if they said anything about children's rights, which we, we believe strongly don't exist. But if they they do, they could elude to actual responsibilities mm. that the parents have towards children and perhaps that other entities have towards children as well, right? So we were curious, like, okay, if we're going to start thinking about what are our responsibilities towards our children or parents in general towards children or the government towards children, what might they be? And are these organizations on to anything, even though their underlying assumption has some major flaws? Cool. So we've got uh, parents or the guardians, I believe, are responsible to protect their children from abuse. So Defining exactly what abuse is can be a challenge, but I think we can all agree, don't abuse your kids. And if you discover that someone else has abused them, seek justice Mm -hmm. and punishment and protection and protect your kids from abuse to the ability you are able to do so. Um, And I mean, you know, abuse would be things like clear sexual involvement at all um, or clear um, physical abuse that um, creates like short to long, like medium to long-term injury, oh, sure. I guess, you know, harm, would be clear harm, harm, harm. injury, um, would be clear, uh, clear abuse. Um, and then there's, you know, a bunch of gray area stuff. So that might be for another video anyway, but parents are responsible to protect their kids from abuse. You're supposed to um, ensure your children's physical needs are met. And then I added within your power, because I'm thinking about, you know, if you're writing out universals like this, it's useful to think about, well, what are the exceptions? Well, yeah. famine, war, things happen that make it so that a parent is not able to do this stuff. And that's yeah. that it's your responsibility, but you're not morally culpable for something that you literally there's nothing you could do to make it better. Like that situation yeah. has happened to people throughout history. Now, our mom from before is actually a pretty good example of this. And this is perhaps a, a re- more redeeming Uh, way to look at her. Because when I got to speak with her, uh, she talked about how she didn't have a place to stay as a child 
and that she had put a roof over her children's heads. And, and in her mind, she had gone so far above and beyond the expectations of parents. And so the point is not that she had fully fulfilled her responsibility or she shouldn't grow or develop in virtue or that the kids didn't have needs that were being met. The point was within her means as, as best she could, she was trying to meet the physical needs. Well, there's a couple things there because she she recognized that she had a responsibility. Mm-hmm. You can see that in the fact that she was pr- proud that she'd fulfilled it better than her parents. That's right. She was also engaging a little bit of cognitive dissonance uh-huh. where she noted her responsibility, took pride in fulfilling aspects of it, but then deferred aspects of her responsibility well, to did. a third party. Yeah. So, but, but, I mean, that's people are complicated. That's it's part of the reason why. Um, discernment, wisdom, humility are virtues is because mm-hmm. we're wrong about some stuff, even when mm-hmm. we're trying really hard not to be. So, um, you know, in order to be, I, th- I really glad you mentioned that because that's a more gracious way of thinking about her story is, hey, she pulled off some stuff that was better than what her parents had pulled off for her. And she was rightfully identifying those as successes. Yeah. They were successes. Um, anyone else too, I mean, She's in an awkward position because the government is making promises it shouldn't make, and that confuses her situation, and um, the government is acting as if it's going to take care of her kids, and then if it's failing on the job, it's like, well, Well, I could have done this if I had shifted my priorities, but the government said it was going to do it, so I made plans based on what the government said it was going to do, and it, you know, that's the government jumping into maybe doing things it shouldn't, and then if it says it's going to do it, it, it better do it. I mean, well, I do. It gets confusing anyway. I do think there's some trouble in in the ChristiansRights.org's rights list when we get into a situation like this. Children's rights. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, uh, because it certainly um, involves parental responsibility of. Homing kids, not abusing, feeding children. All right. These are kind of easy. Yeah. But then you find a a mom like this, and it's not even in her sphere that she needs to produce virtuous and competent adults. She knows at some point these kids are going to grow up and leave. But not only this concept of virtue, I don't really think she had on board the idea of when they leave my care, I have to ensure that they're skilled to be okay in a world well it sounds like she's of two minds about it okay on the one hand she probably couldn't articulate it on the other hand she is saying my parents didn't prepare me and look what i accomplished that implies that there's some parental responsibility in there it does so the way she's talking about it makes me think she might kind of get it um how you described it yeah. Um, some other stuff that children's uh, rights.org was talking about that I agree had to do with prep preparing kids, educating uh-huh. them or whatever. But I would say that the responsibility of parents there is prepare your children to become virtuous and competent adults, which we talk about almost every, every video. video. Yeah. Um, and that's absolutely, they need to do that. I think our way of thinking about it and wording it is a lot better than children's rights.org, which I think was like a right to, um, education or things like that. Um, And then, you know, the problem with both of these websites is they articulate, instead of trying to articulate things as universals that are impossible to argue with because they're clearly true, and Mm -hmm. then that becomes like a philosophical foundation people can work with, these organizations are really specific, um, and which means they're going to have to keep updating their website as opinions change and the specifics change. We're trying to be a little bit more um, timeless in what we're saying. Um, 
But also, since they're so specific, it gets in the way of parents have responsibilities to, like I said, protect and prepare and provide, right? Protect, prepare, provide. That might be a good three Ps of parental responsibility, Mm. right? I just made that up. So there might be more to it than that. But I think those three are true. Um, And if you keep it general like that, then you leave that open for Mm -hmm. the interpretation of the parents and their discernment. How do I do it? To what degree can I do it? To what degree should I do it? And then you, they can prioritize and figure out what they're going to do. But when you get really specific, it it causes more problems. Uh, When we get over to UNICEF, it is again, uh, overly specific. And and UNICEF, uh, of course, is a, is a global organization and it, makes demands to specific governments. So not only does it kind of impose to families, but but it really does um, to sovereign nations as well. Yeah, uh, they're they're assuming responsibility. Well, they're assuming they, general responsibility they certainly of are. the government, which might have to do with their focus as well as their philosophy. Okay. Being sent to, I guess they're trying to speak to governments, but they're also making assumptions that that's who they ought to be speaking to. Well, they have, they have some reasonable uh, positions, including... Governments are responsible. Well, they would say children have these rights, but right, we're, we're, we're saying, saying it this yeah. way. Governments are responsible to register children as citizens, like ha- have a birth certificate and a, a social security if you're in America, uh, to protect children from parents if they're actually truly abusive, uh, to keep families together and to, you know, help avoid criminal activity like like kidnapping. You know, one of the things you were taught, so like protect children from parents that are truly abusive, not separate families. So this is this is sort of <laughs> a, a problem with the foster care system that they run into is yeah. from what I understand, recent research shows kids are often better off with somewhat abusive biological parents than they are with anybody else in their family. And they're better off with anybody else in their family than they are with somebody outside their family. Yeah, like they right. have... So we might look at what some parents are doing and go, that's horrifying. Why are they doing it? But if we put the parent in jail, the kid will be worse off. Like this is part of the political idea of unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. We look at something and go, oh no, we need to fix this problem. And then we say, politician, create a new law and fix the problem. The politician says, sure, put me in office and I'll do a thing and I'll make it sound great. And they do a thing and it sounds great. And then it makes things worse. And nobody draws the line to show it made things worse. But if kids, and I think this kind of makes sense in a paradoxical way, kids are better off with their parents. So if the parents are, if the parents are abusing them in a particularly devastating, heinous way, well, that's going to make up for this. But if it's something that we would consider, you know, somewhat abusive, but it's not quite as heinous, they might be better off with them than they are somewhere else. So then that's why like, don't separate families becomes really, really important. But then there's this gray area of like, well, when do you separate them? It's not like, uh-huh. it's, it's not, it's not a hint of the tiny bit of thing we sort of think is abuse. Well, that may, like, what do we do? Like, we need to intervene, try to, con- I mean, I think at that point, it's try to convince the parent there's a better way voluntarily would be my thought. It's like, help the parent see there's a better way to do this would be the, you know, the ultimate. That's sort of an aside. But I think it's an important thing for the parenting. Now, that all said, don't abuse your kids. Also, you're really, really important, right? You're so important to your children that if you abuse them, you're still maybe better off with you than they would be with somebody else, which speaks to the importance of parents, I think. You just watched one of our videos from our set of videos on tantruming. 
If you liked it, remember to hit like, subscribe, and leave a comment. And stick around for more videos on Tantraman. You've been listening to the Good Parents, Good Children podcast. Thank you for joining us. Remember, if you have kids, you can parent, you may parent, you must parent. Please check out the other episodes in this series on the Good Parents, Good Children podcast. <laughs>